ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Well, you heard the straight politics there of the likely debates around Israel and Palestine. What if your investment is deeper and longer? What if you're an Australian of Jewish heritage, mired in this discussion for many years now? Well, that's the position of long-standing Melbourne political scientist and commentator Dennis Altman, who's this month contributed a thoughtful overview of the interplay between Israeli, Palestinian and Australian developments over the last generation or so. The title of his article in the latest Australian book review is pretty revealing. Frozen between despair and denial, the role of Australian Jews in an intractable conflict. Welcome now to Saturday Extra, Dennis. Lovely to be with you, Geraldine. Now, this issue, as you say, has been a running sore on the left of Australian politics for 50 years. Is anything clearing so far as you're concerned? No, and I mean, this is, I think, something that makes me very sad. I, I observe in the article how much has changed in the last half century. Things that we thought were intractable, like apartheid in South Africa or the Berlin Wall, um, they've gone. And yet the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians is, if anything, worse than it's been um, in our history. Uh, It makes, yeah, I think that uh, that title is unfortunately a very good summary of how I see it. Now, I must ask you at this point in the interview, how would you vote if you could on this issue, you know, such as the delegates at the AOP conference are being asked to vote? Look, I strongly agree with Gareth Evans that we need to move to recognise a Palestinian state, even though there is, of course, um, no particularly well-functioning state at the moment. There is, a, I think there's a terrible irony. The people who oppose that move keep talking about a two-state solution. And yet when they're offered a possibility of doing something concrete, they suddenly oppose it. Whereas the people who say, look, we've passed the time for a two-state solution, which I suspect is sadly the truth, um, are much less likely uh, to be pushing for it. So it's it's a rather complicated and delicate situation, but certainly one where I think Australia should move along with our regional neighbours rather than along with the United States. Well, it's not just the United States, it must be said. It's um, the UK, Canada and much of Europe have not endorsed Palestine as a state. That's right. 132 other entities have, including all of Asia. Um, I mean... And we, in fact, did invite Senator, former Senator Gareth Evans to join us um, today, but he, but he declined. He, he has put that up for, uh, as a state, which, of course, is quite a bit further than Penny Wong is proposing. Why do you think feeling has shifted on this among Labor by comparison with, say, the times of Bob Hawke uh, and even later coalition attitudes? Do you think it indicates change within the diaspora here? I think it indicates vast change within Australian society, at least to the extent those people who are interested in the issue. It also reflects a change in the Jewish community, which is increasingly divided. There are voices on both ends of this debate in the Jewish community. There are increasing numbers of organisations that are taking positions on this. But I think the crucial point is the one you referred to, and that's what's happened within the Labor Party. 
Bob Hawke fell in love with a very different country to the country that today is Israel. Bob Hawke fell in love with Israel, which he saw as a social democracy, uh, epitomized by the kibbutz, which his daughter actually spent some time on. Today, Israel is a dominant and aggressive power that is occupying increasingly land that has uh, been the preserve of Palestinians um, since the partition. Um, And that change is clearly going to have an impact on the party and on the broader community. Have you changed your mind on this? I'm not sure. It's a very good question. I think that that were I somewhat older, had I been around in the years immediately after World War II when Israel came into existence, I suspect I would have been a Zionist because the aftermath of the Holocaust, the denial by almost every country to admit Jewish refugees, in a sense, gave us no option. But certainly, the views I have of Israel have become less and less um, appreciative, less and less uh, willing to go along with the pretense that Israel actually wants a genuine solution. Uh, I think it's perfectly clear that the current Israeli government just does not want to recognise any legitimate claim by the Palestinians who have been dispossessed. Well, you tackle one of the key areas of complexity in this whole debate. At what point does criticism of Israel start to reek of anti-Semitism? Have you cleared that up in your mind? You say it's pretty blurry. It is blurred. Look, I think there's a classic example which came from one of the authors um, who went to the Adelaide Festival Um, early in the year, and you remember there was a great furor about Mm. um, Palestinian authors, Um, I think was perfectly legitimate and proper that there were Palestinian authors. However, one of them attacked Zelensky by calling him a Zionist. Now, that to me was clearly anti-Semitic because there was no reason whatsoever to link Zelensky's Jewish heritage to Israel. In fact, there's no evidence that Zelensky has ever had any particularly close ties to Israel. Um, I find that often it comes in people's conversation where they make don't make a distinction between Jews and Israelis. I'm very clear that Israelis are all those people who live in Israel, many of whom are not Jews, Many Jews, and I am one of them, feel no kinship with Israel. It is not my country, even though, ironically, uh, I have the right as a Jew to claim citizenship should I want to move there. Yes, you say that some big scholars like the philosopher Hannah Arendt have delved into this most interestingly, um, talking about, I suppose, otherness, which sometimes homosexuals fell into that 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 category and she, and she actually does um, many many years ago draw some interesting distinctions she did and it's it's a remarkable passage that i quote in the article uh, written in the 1950s where hannah Arendt points to the fact that in the european society that existed before hitler um, both jews and homosexuals were at some level sought after and at another level persecuted. And I think the point I wanted to make is that as someone who's gay, I'm very and someone who's Jewish, we always walk around with this sense of imminent possibility that there will be discrimination, there will be persecution. And 
I think we have to be honest, there is increasing anti-Semitism in Australia. Recently, there have been some very nasty stories about persecution of kids in state schools in Melbourne. Uh, we know that there are increasingly um, needs to provide armed guards at synagogues and Jewish centres. This is scary. Um, and therefore, making that distinction is enormously important. So if you want to move beyond despair, generally you don't deal in despair, I don't think. Um, <laughs> where do you go if you're an Australian Jew then? I think if you're an Australian Jew... Whether we like it or not, people will assume we have some sort of tie to Israel, which means I think that we do have um, both a duty and the possibility of pushing our government. If we go back to your point that, yes, the great majority of Western countries um, have not recognised Palestine as a state, I would say that what Australia can do, the only thing we can do that I can think of that might be meaningful, is we could actually engage in dialogue with countries like Indonesia and Malaysia, which, let's face it, are more important to us than most of the countries of Europe. And we could engage in dialogue with those countries that are emotionally and politically aligned with the Palestinian cause and in work with them towards some sort of internationally enforced settlement. Now, I know that sounds a bit utopian, but I think it's a more realistic and independent view of what Australia's position could be than the one that the organised Zionist lobby is pushing for, which is essentially to say, let's not do anything um, and, in fact, let Israel continue to dispossess and settle across the West Bank. Have you, uh, yes, it's those particular, the, uh, the settlements, have you detected among uh, the Australian jury that there's more agony about this or not? Oh, there is considerable agony. Um, look, families are divided. Um, there was recently a story about um, my friend and colleague, Anthony Lowenstein, who's been an amazing voice on this issue for a very long time. And there was a long story about Anthony and the attacks not just on him, but indeed on his family for his position on Israel. Um, it's something that tears the community apart. People come to this, and let's remember, so do Palestinian Australians. And we tend to forget that there are many Australians of Palestinian origin who are also torn by this. And of course, what they're suffering is, you know, they see these images of the Israeli army moving in, of people being kicked out of their homes to build new and what the UN would regard as illegal settlements. Um, there's a huge degree of suffering. Uh, there's a huge degree of trauma that people bring with them. The memory for Palestinians of the Nakba and the memory for Jews of the Holocaust. And that's partly, of course, why this is such a difficult area um, in which to have a rational debate. Yes, well, I do think you aimed for rational thoughtfulness in your article. So, look, um Dennis, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Lovely to speak with you. Dennis Altman is the Vice-Chancellor's Fellow at La Trobe University and his article is in the latest edition of the Australian Book Review. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.